Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show. Damon Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio right now holding it down and on the phone lines. Is our guy from Pro Football Focus, that's Ben Lindsay. And yesterday we uh, saw a piece that ESPN put out that was Ben's piece that he put out on Pro Football Focus about NFL roster rankings for all 32 teams for 2022. Strengths, weaknesses, and X-factors for every starting lineup. And, Ben, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate you. How did you come up with – what was the formula that went into this when you came up with these rankings that you put together? Yeah, it was basically just just ranking a couple different positional units across the team, uh, using our grades, using our stacks, uh, with a lean towards the starters, uh, but factoring in depth too. If a team was was specific, or especially deep at a certain position, or or really thin, uh, and then balancing those out with some work that our head contract guy Brad Spielberg has done, as far as assigning um, sort of contract value to player performance and which teams get the most value there. Uh, so just sort of combining those those different things into a a one to thirty two list of the rosters. You know, and I know that Pro Football Focus they'll have a heavier lean when it comes to like a team that runs the ball more. I mean, it might not get as much value as a team that consistently throws the ball. Was there any part of this that you know Kate went into it where it was like, okay, well, we're going to dock this team a little bit more because of this certain category? Yeah, we have uh, quarterback is is the big one just because of how important the quarterback position is um there's a couple instances of, of teams with kind of shaky quarterbacks that are that are higher on the list that's just because the rest of their roster um is, is so impressive but we tried to to weight it based off how much value um the different positions bring talking right now with ben Lindsay from pro football focus here on unnecessary roughness raider nation radio 920 and ben as you can imagine on raider nation radio 920 raider nation including myself i'm not gonna lie to you i came into the show yesterday and i came in a little hot i was like hey hold on hold on this ranking's a little a little low here for the silver and black so they were the 12th highest ranked uh afc team and the 21st ranked team in the nfl overall so what was I saw the weaknesses, I saw the X-factor and the strengths, but what was the biggest hole or the biggest issue that made them rank so low? Yeah, the Raiders are, are tough because they, right, they're they a playoff team from last year, and a couple teams sort of right around them on that list were two, with the Titans, with the Cardinals. Um, but you can make an argument that they overachieved a little bit if you look at something like point differential, which is sort of a rough view of that. They were fourth worst in the AFC in point differential last year. Um, but in terms of their actual roster, the offensive line is still one of the bigger concerns. Colton Miller is in place there at left tackle. But the rest of that starting offensive line, you're kind of hoping at a lot of the positions. You're hoping Denzel Good comes back uh, healthy and provides some stability there at left guard. You're hoping Dylan Parham can potentially come in and start as, at right guard as a rookie. Um, you're hoping Leatherwood takes that step forward in his second year, sort of like an Andrew Thomas. And then on defense, 
you have Jones and you have Crosby, which should be one of the better edge duos in the league. Um, but again, at cornerback, you're kind of hoping younger guys like Mullen, like Rocky Sin, take a step forward. Uh, the interior defensive line looks a little bit weaker on paper. Uh, strong safety uh, across from Merrick, whether that's Harmon, whether that's Abram, um, that could be a potential question mark. So it, they're, at, they're really strong at a few areas, like on edge. Um, and like at wide receiver, bringing in Devontae Adams, having Renfro, having Waller. But there are holes on the roster. When you uh, talk about the X-Factors for 2022, you really focus in on the secondary. And I wanted to ask you this question because we know that the new defensive coordinator for the Raiders is Patrick Graham. And everything we've heard, obviously we haven't seen it, it's not training camp yet. Everything we've heard is that he's going to be a guy that wants press man coverage. And I look at Rocky Sin, you mentioned him, and I look at even uh, Anthony Averett from the Baltimore Ravens who the Raiders picked up. Those were actually two really good press corners. How much did those play a factor or did they not play a factor in this? Yeah, it, the scheme really didn't play a ton of factor into the, these rankings and sort of the coaching, um, which is, is a big story with the Raiders specifically, bringing in Josh McDaniel, bringing in Patrick Graham, and, and the change there with Gus Bradley. Um, so I, I do think Yassin and Averitt are pretty good fits as far as what they want to do. Uh, obviously, Yassin was a little bit more zone in Indianapolis, but I think traits-wise, uh, he does translate pretty well to, to that sort of defense. Yeah, Ben, earlier today on our morning show, I made the statement that maybe something that factored into your rankings at the, is that the Raiders are very top-heavy when it comes to receiver, quarterback, they, their edge duo. They are pretty good. So is that something that did factor into maybe why they are ranked 21st and maybe not ahead of a team like the Titans right above them, is that they are top-heavy, but like you said, that there are a little bit of weaknesses on the other parts of the roster where they're not so strong at? Yeah, because where the Raiders are good, they're really good. Um, Carr is sort of like right on that. I, I think he's back into the top ten in terms of quarterbacks. And then receiving core, it's a, it should be a top five receiving core um, with Adams, with Renfro, with Waller. A little bit of concern at that second outside wide receiver spot, but uh, they have enough options that, that I'm not too worried about that. And then the same thing at the edge duo with uh, Crosby and Jones. So, I, I, like you said, where they're good, they're really good. It's just sort of some of the other positions and being a little bit thinner um, and more prospective uh, kind of players who could take a step forward that knock them down a little bit. And, Ben, I know that this doesn't have anything to do with, you know, the schedule. It doesn't have uh, projected wins or anything like that. So that I know that's not a factor. Is, uh, is the coaching, like Josh McDaniels and what he could potentially do, you know, in the red zone and the better play calling, does that not play a factor at all either? No, the coaching didn't play a factor. It's just sort of looking at the at the players on the roster. Um, but I, I do think McDaniel could help him offensively, and, and I like what Graham did in New York a lot. Um, and in terms of bringing their defense into more of what the rest of the NFL is doing, uh, it should help them uh, defensively. What about the linebacking core? Denzel Perryman was a Pro Bowler a year ago. Uh, they brought in uh, uh, Javon Br- uh, uh, Javon Brown uh, from or Jayon Brown from the uh, Tennessee Titans. They have Devon Diablo as well. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of Raider Nation says, you know what? I think that the Raiders need to address the linebacking room. What would you say about the linebacking room for the Raiders right now? Yeah, I kind of like the combination of, of Perryman and Brown. I think they play off each other pretty well. Perryman is more of a downhill guy, and, and Brown. When he was at his best in Tennessee, it was more in coverage. Um, he's had some injury problems, but I think if they're both healthy, that duo could play off each other pretty nicely, and Diablo showed some good things as a rookie. So um, 
they probably could could add another guy, but I actually kind of like what they have there. Talking right now with Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, and a lot of Raider fans, they weren't happy with that number three team. The Los Angeles Chargers, the team that the Raiders, <laughs> they beat. <clears throat> excuse me, got to work through that. They beat them, you know, in week 18, and everybody's like, hey, man, we beat the Chargers. How can How is their roster so much better than ours? That's what the Raider fans are saying. So what improvements did the Chargers make that make you think that they have a top-five roster in the NFL? Yeah, I think the big issue with the Chargers last year was their defense. And you've seen them this offseason just throw resources at it. And with players who have some familiarity with Staley uh, and that system, which I think guys like Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, Morgan Fox, who played on that Rams team in 2020, um, Austin Johnson, they added some big bodies on the inside who should help their run defense and allow them to play uh, more in the style that Staley had so much success with with the Rams in 2020. Um, and then obviously the big stars, the Khalil Max, um, the J.C. Jacksons, e- even guys like Bryce Callahan, Callahan Noy, they just added so much talent on defense. And their offense is already in a pretty good spot uh, that I think, at least on paper, they have one of the better offenses in the league. But that's sort of been the case in the past where they've gotten hyped up in the offseason. Um, and now they need to live up to it. Talking to Pro Football Focus's Ben Lindsay right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. Ranked at number 14, you have the Denver Broncos. And, of course, they went and got Russell Wilson. Nathaniel Hack is their new head coach. I'll, I'll tell you, I haven't bought into the hype yet that is the Denver Broncos, but what has uh, what, what have you seen from them, and, and what does your, uh, your numbers tell you why you have them ranked number 14? The biggest issue with the, with the Broncos for the last three, four years has been the quarterback position, pretty much since, since Manning. Um, So they went out and addressed it. But I am kind of interested to see how Russell Wilson fits in there his first year um, because the Seahawks tried a couple different offensive coordinators with him, and he really just came came back to the fact that Russell Wilson is going to play how how he wants to play. He's going to hold on to the ball. He's going to scramble. He's going to throw outside the numbers, um, which is not exactly what the Packers did uh, the last couple years with Hackett. So seeing how those two mesh together, um, it, it could be not quite as effective as some people are thinking, at least next year. Um, but the rest of their roster, I think, is in a pretty good spot. They have talent at receiver. Um, defensively, they brought in some, some more edge rushers with Randy Gregory, um, adding a Nick Benito in the draft, who I think could have some success as a designated pass rusher. So uh, it, it really comes down to that quarterback position and, and how much Russell Wilson gels with Hackett uh, in year one. How much does, how much concern is there for Russell Wilson gelling with that offensive line? Because one of the things we heard about in Seattle was, well, he held onto the ball a little bit long, always trying to make plays, and that led to some of the hits and some of the sacks as well. Yeah, the Broncos' offensive line isn't great. Uh, they have a, a competition at right tackle. Um, they have some, some guys shuffling around on the interior. But I, I do think it's better than a lot of the Seahawks' offensive lines he's had in the past. Um, it's so it's it's honestly just going to come down to that's the style of play that that Wilson plays with. That's he's going to invite that pressure and those sacks, and um, they're going to live or die on the plays he can make late late in the play um, with receivers adjusting their routes. Yeah, with Kansas City, they barely got into your top ten at number nine. How much of a blow was losing Tyreek Hill for them? And do you think that they were able to replace him with the receivers that they have? Yeah, well, there's, there's not replacing Tyreek Hill. <laughs> He's kind of a one-of-one guy in the NFL. Um, so I don't think they replaced him, 
but I can see what they were trying to do. All right, they they're kind of a top-heavy team too, a little bit like the Raiders with all the the high-value contracts they paid out. They had to decide somewhere to cut, um, and they decided that was Hill. So they went out and rather than paying him thirty million a year, uh, they got a MVS as their field stretcher. They got a Juju as their physical slot, sort of over the middle of the field, and then Sky Moore in the draft as a, a guy who can play on the inside, on the outside, um, provide after the catch. So they're trying to, to replace Hill in pieces, um, which remains to be seen what losing him and, and his impact on defenses, how that affects their offense. Um, but I think in terms of just, just replacing him with quantity, they did a pretty good job. Ben, before we let you go, I did want to ask about the Raiders' interior, their defensive line. Of course, we uh, mentioned on the outside you got Jones, you got Crosby, but uh, then you have you know guys like Jonathan Hankins, uh, Andrew Billings. You know you have uh, Pico. There's a couple others there. Uh, is a guy like uh, Indomitian Sue, if he was to be added to that Raiders' defensive line to the interior, how much would that help increase what they got going on defensively? How much do you think he could provide on that Raiders' defense? Yeah, he, he's not the same Sue that played with the, the Dolphins or the Lions, but I still think he would add value to their defense just as a, a veteran who you can rely on uh, on any down. Um, he's hardly come off the field at all over the course of his entire career. Just his snap counts at that position um, are really impressive and just gives you solid play against both the run and the pass. So at this stage of free agency and sort of the offseason, I think it makes sense for them to target a guy like Sue. There you go. That's uh, Pro Football Focus's Ben Lindsay with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Like I said, Ben, man, I came in hot yesterday on the show. I was like, wait, what's going on? What is Ben talking about? What is, you know, I, I, I a think lot, Ra- a lot of people are coming in hot. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, Raider Nation wasn't even as, as hot as I was. When I was talking about it, everyone's like, oh, Q, it's just a rankings. Calm down. It's okay. And I was like, all right, all right. So I had to relax, but uh, no, I wanted to have you on to talk about it. I knew there's some explanations behind it that. You know, you weren't just throwing stuff against the wall trying to make it stick. So I definitely appreciate you hopping on. What do you got coming out on Pro Football Focus that I should be on the lookout for? I'm actually taking a little bit off, getting some vacation, but we have a, a lot of fantasy, a lot of fantasy coming up, uh, coming up the next few weeks. Well, I, I can imagine with the different fan bases coming after you, maybe it is time for a little bit of a vacation, get a little R and R as a, as training camps right around the corner. Well, Ben, thanks for your time, man. I do appreciate you. We'll be talking soon. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, there he goes. Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore Lindsay. And, again, his piece was put out on, uh, on ESPN, as a matter of fact, NFL roster rankings for all 32 teams for 2022, strengths, weaknesses, and X factors for every starting lineup. And I'll say this. Uh, I'll, I, I think that Averett and I think that Rocky Sin, especially playing the role that Patrick Graham – reportedly wants to do and supposedly wants to do as, as far as press man coverage that could uh, obviously help uh, there's guys that weren't on the team last year that are on the team now like a Dylan Parham uh, he could play a factor on that uh, offensive line I think we all know that the offensive line is something that Raider Nation is concerned about but things could change quick fast and hurry I'd like to see Ben put together you know this this right now and then do it again right before the season starts. When we, all, when we know what the 53-man roster looks like, maybe that's a, a suggestion. I'll send him a text or something and see if he can do something like that. Just because I think it would be interesting to see how it changes. And I don't mean like the Raiders are going to shoot up to number three or four. I'm just saying I wonder how it would change once the 53-man roster is really developed. Maybe a guy like Sue is at it. Maybe someone else is at it. Maybe, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen between June and September 11th. Yeah, I mean, it's just simple. 
Exactly. And Vegas Jesse hit me up on Twitter and he was like, hey, you said top or top heavy earlier. What does that mean? And it kind of goes to what Ben was saying. They're top heavy because where they're good at, they're really good. Right. But like you said, maybe maybe like the last week of preseason, if he really if he releases this again and then they do have a sue or maybe they get a veteran offensive lineman like people want or maybe even one of those cornerbacks that are out there on the market. You know, like Joe Hayden, maybe, you know, right. gets a little old in the tooth, but it still would be some depth. Right. Because at, at this point, if one starter goes down, it would be like, ah, man, what are we going to do? I mean, yeah, and that's the thing that's been the Raiders' issue for a few years now, and that's why we go back to looking at the draft and saying they haven't hit enough. Yeah, they've hit on their later-round picks, but those first-round picks with the fifth-year options, that would help provide that depth. They don't have the quality depth right now, and that's something that GM Dave Ziegler and company have to continue to work on to build that up. The Patriots, I know nobody likes to hear that, but the Patriots – what they're able to do over the course of years is once a guy becomes a free agent or is set up to be a free agent, they would be comfortable letting some guys walk just like they traded Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones was still in the prime of his career. They traded him because they felt like they had a guy that was coming down the pipeline that could fill that void for half the money. And look, I think Chandler Jones was one of the rare exceptions because he killed it. He went to Arizona and absolutely killed it. But there's been guys that they've let walk. Hell, they let Trent Brown walk. And guess what? He walked all the way to – to Las Vegas and walked his ass back. <laughs> but first he went to the bank first. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. He went to the bank. <laughs> he had money in the bank. So they watch you think. You know what I mean? But he, he had to walk his backside right back to New England because, man, I mean, he just wasn't that guy. But that's what they usually do. They get comfortable in letting guys walk, go get their money, and then they have another guy coming down the pipeline. Hell, they did it years ago with Richard Seymour. He's going into the Hall of Fame and, and with, when Cliff Branch goes in. They traded him to the Raiders for, what, a first-round pick? The, the Patriots were very comfortable with that. Oh, you want this guy older in the tooth for a first-round pick and we ain't got to pay him big money? Sure. Malcolm Why? Butler's doing it now. Right. Exactly. That's just that's what they do. And I know nobody wants to hear Patriot way, so I'm not trying to say that exact phrase. But that's what good organizations do if they're able to develop that. Develop talent and let other guys walk. That's a good thing. You don't have to hold on to everybody. You know, you don't have to hold on to a Zay Jones. You don't have to hold on to a Nelly Aguilar. You don't have to hold on to cats like that. You can let them go. Casey Haywards, it was okay to let him go. You know, even though he did some good things, that's what you want to be able to do and feel comfortable. And I'm not saying that the Raiders are right there on that, on, on that, uh, you know, that edge where they can do that, but that's where they want to get. So many thanks to uh, Ben for joining us. And, and uh, just kind of keep that in the back of your head that depth is a major thing. And, and, and Vegas just should know about top heavy. That's how his ass get when he have a couple drinks. He gets top heavy and he starts. <laughs> 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 he gets a couple drinks in his system and he look like he gets a little top heavy. He starts wobbling a little bit. I got to tell him, Vegas Jess, you got to sit it on down, brother. Sit it on down. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I hope he's listening. Oh, I, yeah. Hey, that's my guy. That's my guy. We were actually out with him. We went out with him and, uh, and his wife, Michelle, uh, last weekend. And, uh, you know, they're, they're so cool to hang out with. We were out with Mickey and Mary as well. And we went to this spot, uh, what, Tacos and Beer? Is that what it's called, Tacos and Beer? Hey, I think I'm going there tonight. Oh, that's a great place. It's a great place. And I don't normally shout out businesses just to be shouting them out, but that was really a great place. We had some fun hanging out there, had some tacos and some beer, and just kicked it. And that, that's, So you'll have some fun there tonight. I hope you all don't have too much fun because I need you to come to work tomorrow. Maybe you should try to do that Saturday or Friday night when you ain't got to work the next day. But that's just my suggestion. Hey, the buddy's birthday's tonight, man. Oh, hey. Well. I push up, but it's the birthday's tonight. I mean, people still care about birthdays at our big age. Oh, uh, well, I guess I'll be <laughs> calling Ari in tomorrow. <laughs> Ari, I need you back. DeMond ain't worth a damn. <laughs> Let's get one quick call and then we'll take a break. Houston in L.A., welcome to the show. What's on your mind? 
Man, what's up, fam? How y'all doing? Hey, we're blessed, brother. All right, listen. Make a long story short, dude. He he was all right, but at the same time, he does the same stuff as most of those cats do now, with the exception of your brother McLean that comes through every time, like every week from Texas. Now he don't say a lot of greater negative stuff, but he'll have enough cojones to stand behind it, man. I, he's not. As soon as he get live, he he comes up with things such as. Well, you know, we're, the Raiders are hoping off dreams. Most people in this league are hoping off dreams. You don't think Denver's not hoping off dreams? Because Russ wasn't nothing like he was last year. I know the hand was messed up, but besides that, with besides that, and like a decent defense, you know, that Seattle defense was, was holding Russ together for a lot of years, brother, and I ain't taking nothing away from Russ. Trust me, I would love for him to be a Raider. I keep it honey. But I, I like Carl though, of course. I mean, he's got to prove himself. Now, but besides that, I'm like, like, like. Besides that, some some of these cats, man, they obviously just don't know our squad yet because he doesn't mention or give any respect to a brother like Hobbs that just shuts it down, man. I mean, it, it, it's like people like that. They don't even talk about, but he's one of the best, if not at this point, one of the best slot corners in the league. And then he did give props to Perryman as far as the linebacker and Mullen. Yeah, he gets hurt all the dang on time. But if he gets his stuff together, you know what I mean? Like, he'll be a nice story as well because a lot of cats don't remember when he was shutting Hill down, man, on a couple games. Matter of fact, I think he got an interception uh, in the past from that, man. So I'm just saying a lot of these analysts, they all share a very similar concept. It's lack of knowledge. So they come in with the national perspective instead of digging deep, looking at the hogs we already got, man. That's all I really want to say. And, and, and he can say whatever you want to. Go on, take your vacay, man. You need it because your analyst sucks. <laughs> Thanks for the call, my man. Appreciate you. And, hey, it, it, is, it is what it is. You know, everyone's got a narrative. Everyone's got their, you know, their, their uh, way of looking at stuff. And, you know, I said it at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, when you take the national approach, and the national approach is very East Coast leaning, uh, that's why I said it. You change, the, you change the blood. You change the people that are in there that may be looking at a different perspective, like my, like my man Houston in L.A. said. Maybe he just doesn't know the squad that well. And, and, and to Ben's credit, and I'm not trying to make, you know, make excuses for him, to his credit, he did have a point about where the Raiders are good, they're really stinking good. And where they have some issues, they, they potentially could have some big-time issues. Again, where he's talking about the weakness in his piece, he was talking about the offensive line. We all know that. We've all talked about that until we're blue in the face. According to Pro Football Fo- Focus, they allowed more pressures than any other right guard and tackle duo in the NFL in 2021, 124. So this is all I ask, and this is all I say, and I have to, I have to remember this myself because, like I told Ben, and you see, I had no problem telling him, hey, man, I came in hot. I did. I had no problem telling him that. I didn't have to, but I did. I told him that because that's, that's how I felt. We talk about the pressures that Mad Max Crosby gets, right? We talked about how he led the league in pressures, so we gave him credit for that. So if we're going to give Crosby credit for all the pressures that he got, we also have to look at, the pressures that Leatherwood and Parker gave up, right? I mean, tick for tack, right? I mean, that's the thing. You can't, you can't say, hey, Crosby was a beast. He led the league in pressures last year. All right, well, what about Leatherwood and Parker leading the league in giving up pressures? No, nah, they don't count. You can't say that, right? It's, got, it's, 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 hey, man, it is what it is. You know, so if, if, if Crosby is the X factor and the, and, the, and the dude 
the end-all, be-all with all those pressures that him and Ngakwe created last season, well, then there's a big problem on that right side of the offensive line if, in fact, they do run it back with Leatherwood and Parker, which I don't think they're going to do. Let me just go ahead and throw that. I don't think that's going to be the starting right side of the offensive line. That's, that's just me. But even if it's not the starting side, it is still troubling that yeah. at least one of those guys are still going to be starting on that right side this year. And how long has the right side of the Raiders offensive line been an issue? I mean, seriously, like we can go back years, dog, years. There's been so many right tackles, and I've always said that that guy outside, I think really going back to Lincoln Kennedy, you know what I mean? Like when he was on the right side of that offensive line, I think that was probably the last time that it was solid. You right about that? Oh, man, real quick. Some caller, Kay, like, yo, he was talking about Lincoln. He was like, Lincoln doesn't like Leatherwood, and he was serviceable at best. And I didn't want to say anything, but it's like, man, dude, Lincoln was an all-pro. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'll let him have his call. But that was just, come on, man. No, I mean, and, and that, oh, who <laughs> I mean, you know, everyone has their their. I didn't want to put opinion. my cape on for Lincoln in the moment. Right. It's like, come on, man. All-pro, multiple-time pro bowler. I think he, I remember that call, but I think what he was saying was that he didn't do that great with the Falcons, right? And that they, they were running the run and shoot. See, this is me oh, really putting on uh, the Yeah, now you really are going all the way in. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Thanks, Lincoln. But, no, they were running the run and shoot, and they had him at guard. Right, right. You know, that's, so maybe it could be the same Leatherwood thing. Put him at tackle, and he'd succeed a little bit more. But I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, you're. Hey, the, the I check, thought about that. I remember that one. The check is in the mail, and, and when you go over there to the Angry Crab, you can eat whatever you want, right? They probably still not gonna give me a discount. Man, the check that he sends you probably won't cover that meal at the Angry Crab. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Let's go ahead and get one more call in. 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Gangster Raider. Gangster Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Man, I wanna say give a slow um applause to Ben because he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish by trolling the Raider Nation. He done got a uh, radio interview out of it. He done been talked about all week, and that's what he wanted. He wanted to trigger us, and we fell for it. Well, <laughs> since y'all um, brought him on, let's, let's bring him on again after week nine and hold him accountable for his list. Let's see after week nine how that list looks. See if, that, if we still number 21 in his rankings after week nine, at least hold him accountable for that list that he put out in June for waking us number 21. Bring him back after week nine or week 10 after we done played like nine or ten games then see where we rank. Hold that fool accountable because I think he just played us. He he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He probably ain't never had a radio, an, uh, a radio interview till he dissed the Raider Nation. Now look, he all on the radio and everything. So I give him a slow round of applause for accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish. But I'm going to tell you, Raider Nation, don't fall for the banana and tailpipe. The king of the way, AFC West is back, and that's us. You know what I'm saying? So don't worry about nothing. Take all bets and um. Stick your chest out and bang it because we back. Raider Nation. Notorious, oh so glorious Raider Nation. We here. I'm gone. That's all I wanted to say. Have that fool come back at the week nine and see where his rank is stacked. Hold that fool accountable and hold his feet to the fire. Keep it gangster. I'm gone. All right, Gangster Raider right there. And I'll say, I, I had Ben on a couple weeks ago. Uh, so he, he's been, and I reached out to him. He didn't reach out to me and ask me for an interview. He, I reached out to him. I mean, that's a guy that I've gone to a, a few times for different rankings that he had. And that's why I suggested. After we talked to him, that was my number one suggestion. Like, okay, let's, you know, it's, it's June 30th right now. How about, you know, we, we revisit this conversation when the 53-man roster is there? And then, as DeMond said, maybe even, you know, uh, a week or two into the season, then, then things change. Because, again, things do change. You're right. Things do change. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, go off the cuff and be disrespectful. That's just not, that's not me, so I'm not going to, hey, fool. Come back on the radio, man. Tell, explain yourself. No, I'm not, you know, I ain't going to do all that. But I understand what you're saying. So, yeah, revisit it. Just revisit it another time 
is uh, is nothing wrong with that. 328 is the time. Definitely appreciate Ben. Appreciate all the calls. Gangster Raider, uh, Houston and L.A., appreciate you. Got a lot of feedback on the Salmon Ash text line as well. When we come back, I got a call on my uh, podcast voicemail line from Jordan in Oregon, and he had a question about the coaching staff, and he had a question about the roster. And I'm going to let you hear the call. I want to talk about it. I thought it was a really good question. That's coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Vegas Pete hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Kennedy said Leatherwood likes to use his hands and be aggressive. That works good at guard. At tackle, you have to be a counterpuncher. He's the Outland Trophy winner, smart and tough, and a first-round pick, so I bet he adapts to the speed of the game year two and becomes the stalwart at the right tackle position. You know the guy I was trying to think of, and thank you, Vegas Pete, for that text. You know who I was trying to think of, and he was a – he was a turnstile as well at the right tackle position, but he was available. <laughs> so it's like he was—you knew he was going to be there. Raider Nation is going to kick themselves when they when they think when I say this name. Remember Khalif Barnes? And I know Demond. I know you don't remember Khalif Barnes, but it's like Khalif Barnes kept getting re-signed to a one-year deal every year. It was like, well, who's going to be the right tackle? Oh hell, sign Khalif again. So they'd sign him again every single year. They'd bring in Khalif Barnes. And every single year, it'd be the same thing. It'd be mediocre play, but he was available. Like, the dude was always available to play. That's the one thing I got to give him credit for. I always say the best ability is availability. He was always available. He just wasn't that great, but he tried. He sure did try. It's always – I don't know why it's been such an issue. Obviously, Gruden and company tried to address it with Trent Brown. He just didn't want to be that guy. He wanted to get the bag, but he didn't want to be the guy that hold it down on that side and be consistent. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a it's a spot that's been issued for the Raiders for a very long time. <laughs> My man Eddie sent me a text and said, "Raiders legend Khalif Barnes. <laughs> he was the king of the one year deal, Doc. <laughs> he held it down at right tackle from '09 to 2015. I know, and it was like every year it was like a one year deal. It felt like." It's so funny. It's like, oh, Khalif Barnes, he's going to be there. He's going to hold it down. He's not only all right, but he's there. <laughs> I'm about to go to Spotrack, and i got to pull up his career earnings, and oh, i got to see what his contract numbers were Hey, but like. you know what? Again, to his credit, a best ability is availability, and that cat was always available, so i got to give him credit for that. There's one thing you can't say about him is that he was not available. So that dude, he was out there making it happen and, and doing his best. So that's that's always been an issue is that right side. So if that thing gets shored up, and look, training camp's right around the corner, there's a lot of different options that I believe the Raiders are going to have to mix and match and see the pieces that are going to fit, and we'll be able to see sooner rather than later. Vegas Pete, thank you so much for that uh, text. I do appreciate you. Uh, then Metaverse Mike also hit us up and said the Broncos don't have depth, and they weren't knocked for that. What if they lose Wilson? Well, I mean, if you lose your starting quarterback, then – you're pretty much done. Now, to your point, the Browns were ranked very high, and they look like they're going to lose their starting quarterback that they haven't never had in Deshaun Watson. His hearing got wrapped up earlier today, so who knows when we're going to actually hear what the suspension is going to be, and then the appeal on top of the appeal on top of the appeal. That's all going to happen. But they were ranked very high. They were the, I think, third highest ranked uh, uh, AFC team. So there's that. So to your point, Metaverse Mike, uh, that's, that's something serious. And look, I, I've told you so many times, I don't believe in the Broncos at all. 
I just don't. You have to show me. Act like I'm from Missouri, you know, the show me state. Act like that because I don't, I don't believe it. I, I know Russell Wilson's damn good. Don't get me wrong. But you have a new head coach. You have issues at the offensive line. Uh, you, you don't really have the guy. Well, you don't have the guy that was the defensive, uh, and I don't want to say genius because the Broncos weren't a defensive genius type team as the Raiders swept them a, a year ago. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, just, I, I don't know. The Broncos have to show me before I really, I really buy into it. Now, DeMond, I know you had some numbers that you wanted to go ahead and, and pass along for me. Go ahead. Well, first off, sometimes, you know, not that I don't believe you when you talk, but like QB exaggerating sometimes. No, I don't. No, but this guy, <laughs> every deal, I mean, maybe he came in, he first got signed to a two-year deal or something. Right. No, every contract was a one-year deal. And we've got some various numbers. The first one's about um $1 million. <laughs> But, you know, so the highest he ever had was a one-year contract in 2012 for $2 million. Told but you. still, but every contract was a one-year deal. At that point, maybe he should have just moved on. Hey, look, he can't, he can't, <laughs> hey, man, I'll take one mil over no mil. You know what I mean? Like, hey, what did Lil Wayne say? A milli, a milli, a milli, a mother, mother, milli. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was, I was Wayne. He didn't say multi-millis. He said a milli. That's what, hey, that's, Khalif Bars was the king of the one milli deal. The one milli, one-year deal. I ain't mad at him again. At least he made himself available, and they could count on him. They're like, all right, in the offseason, we're going to go replace our right tackle. All right, here we go. Who you want? This guy? No, he went to this team. You want this guy? No, he went to this side. All right, we're going to draft this guy. No, he went to that team. All right, we're going to do a right tackle. Uh, press 12 on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> you go on a, go, yeah, go on to punch in 1-2 on speed dial. He's answering. He ain't even gonna, it's not even going to be his agent. He'll just see it pop up on, on, the, on the caller ID. Raiders calling. This is Khalif. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. I know when training camp starts. I'll see y'all then. You know in the movies it was like, you don't even want to count it? It's like, nah, I know it's there. I know nah, it it's good. It's the you same guys every good. time. So you guys are good for it. I know the deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, he was available. So thank you all for that text. And thanks, thanks for going ahead and doing the double check on the, on the numbers, DeMond. That's good stuff right there. Now, I wanted to, and I know we have a short show as we're going to get to uh, upon further review coming up at 4 o'clock. Uh, Eddie Pascal is going to hold it down for us. We definitely appreciate that. Then Aviator Baseball after that. But I did get a call on my uh, podcast voicemail line from my guy Jordan in Oregon, and I thought that it was a really good call and a really good question. So let's go ahead and hear the call, and then I'll address my answer. And Raider Nation, we have enough time where you can respond as well. So here's Jordan in Oregon. Hey, what's going on, Q, Jordan in Oregon? I wanted to dive into something my dad, my, my good old dad, brought to my attention. and He's been hearing you, myself, and some of uh, the voices on here being played on, on our recent camping trip. And he posed a question to me of, hey, what makes you think that this team is going to hit the ground running? Q, I want to pose this question to you, Raider Nation. What things can McDaniels, um, do with this coaching staff that can get them to hit the ground running. What is it about this coaching staff that you feel is different than previous coaching staffs that come in and actually have to take a look at things and adjust the roster? What is it about this coaching staff that you think they can hit the ground running in Vegas this year and we don't have to have that transitional season of a, of a crappy record and uh, peeling back layers? But anyway, peace out to you. So that was Jordan in Oregon, and, and the gist of it is, you know, you get a team, you change head coaches, then all of a sudden you basically take a step back for a year before you're able to take that couple step forward. And my response, the Raider Nation, I'd love to hear from you at 702-365-9200, the Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. The reason I feel like this coaching staff can hit the ground running is because this team is veteran-laden, 
It's led by Derek Carr. It's led by a superstar in Devontae Adams. It's led by a superstar in Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro is a superstar in the making. Max Crosby is a superstar in the making. Chandler Jones is a guy that's been there, done that. You get the theme here. There's a lot of guys that have been there, done that. There's a lot of guys that are on the come up that, that want to be great or, or, or have been great at some point. Josh McDaniels has been to multiple Super Bowls. He's got multiple trophies, you know, under his belt. He's got, I mean, there's, there's a lot of already been there, done that with this coaching staff and all these veterans. So now if this team was a very, very young team, and look, it's a blend. It's a blend of veteran and young. But I think there's enough strong veteran leadership that will allow the young guys to follow the lead and say, okay, this is how you're supposed to do it. So that's why I believe that this is a team that can hit the ground running and, and, uh, and, and just get matched up with this coaching staff and understand quick, fast, and hurry what they expect to do because, again, they tasted it last season. A lot of these guys tasted it. Max Crosby tasted the playoffs. You think he doesn't want to taste a playoff victory? So now he knows what it takes to get there, even though there were so many walk-offs, there were so many you know, last-second victories and all that, and, and then there was a lot of close calls. I get it. But they tasted what it was like. They don't want that to be a one-time thing. Okay, hey, look, we, we, we're in the playoffs. Now we're going to dip out for the next two or three years. No. And on top of that, Josh McDaniels didn't leave his comfy spot in New England to go and take steps backwards and, and try to, oh, we'll try to build this thing up in a few years. This isn't, you know, when John Gruden, and no disrespect to him, but he had a long contract. He felt very comfortable in his contract. So he wanted to build this team not just for one year but for the long-term success. So he did what he felt he had to do. This – I believe, is a, is a team that Josh McDaniels looks at and says, no, we want to win. We want to win now. I've been talking about the three-year window that this team, as far as the contracts, the way that they've been structured, I feel like it's really a three-year window. It's probably a lot smaller than that. You know, again, there's 40 guys right now out of 90 that have one-year deals. 40. Of course, there's not going to be 40 once they cut it down to 53, but that's what it is right now. So I think the combination of veterans with the young guys, the experience on the coaching staff, and the taste of what the playoffs tasted like and haven't tasted the success in the playoffs yet, all that's going to combine with making this team so hungry that they're going to hit the ground running. But that's just me, 702-365-9200, Sam and text line 69187, keyword R&R. Let us know what you think about that, and we'll start things off with Raider X. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind? What's up, Q&D? Chilling. Hey, I, I think you hit it. You hit it on the head. Um, you know, it's introduction of having some veterans there and some key players. What introduced you know the coaching staff to come to to come to almost at Oakland, <laughs> going over going to Vegas uh, because the pieces are there. But you know, different from years past, I, I I think you know what what we're capturing this new coaching regime is flexibility, and you can see that from both both coordinators on both sides of the ball. And I think that's what we're, 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 we, we, we've been discussing is Patrick Graham is really flexible, very innovative, along with Josh McDaniels. And what they're going to do is not only bring in some cats over from other, other places that they're familiar with their schemes, but they're not guys that, that, that force players into their scheme. They are creative around their scheme. So what they do is integrate the scheme with the players and the talent that they already have. So you can see that they got their focal points, you know, with their Max Crosby. They got their focal points that they got an actual a brainiac. I mean, I just, I love Carr's mind. You know, I just, uh, I, I need, need him to elevate. But I think that Josh McDaniels scheme is really going to tap into his overall understanding of defenses and being able to scheme and really maximize his quick release 
in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in addition to, I think you were talking about with the previous uh, segment, um, that secondary and, and, those, and those linebackers, I think, are really, really going to eat. I think we're going to be very impressed with what they're going to put together on that line. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't look good so, so much right now. It's not that sexy on paper, but I think watch and see. It's going to be explosive because they're going to clog it up, and they are going to feast. Thank you so much for the call. Definitely appreciate you. I, I love all, all the, uh, the angles that you took there. I mean, I really do, Raider X. Thank you for the call. Good stuff. Uh, so we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line 69187. Keyword R&R. Make sure you use R&R so we make sure we get it. We'll close out the show with calls and texts. We'll do it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Only got about 10 minutes left in today's show. It's been fast and furious. It's been fantastic. Titus O'Neill, WWE superstar, joined us at 215. Then we have former Raider quarterback Jay Schrader at 230. Talk to Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus at 3. Now Raider Nation, it's all about you. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Dave B. in the 757. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, Q. Appreciate it. Hey, so addressing the question at hand about uh, the team's ability to hit the ground running under the new staff and regime. So we have a recent, you know, trend of, of fast starts. So, you know, you couple that with, with the veteran presence that you mentioned and the, the new staff. And I think that, that that trend, you know, should very well continue, and we should be optimistic about it. But not just that. It's, you know, we've, we've recently had, you know, some, some times in the season where, you know, the midseason where we've kind of fallen asleep at the wheel and not finished strong, you know, minus last year, where I think that this regime, this coaching staff, and the veteran group of people that we've been talking about, you know, are, are going to kind of make that go away. So you're hearing – the optimistic, you know, forecast on, on number of wins and, and possibility of the playoffs. So I, I see no reason why that, that, that shouldn't continue, and we should have that kind of optimism. So uh, thoughts on that, over. I like it. I like it. Good call, my man. Dave B. in the 757. And that's the question that was posed to me by my man Jordan in Oregon. How do we expect or how do we know that this, uh, this team is going to hit the ground running with this new coaching staff? What can Josh McDaniels and company do to make sure that they get off to a fast start? Dave B. right there responding. How about we hear from our guy, New England Raider? What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. How you doing? I'm blessed, man. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Just like I say every time, I appreciate all the hard work you're always putting in. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I really want to talk more about uh, it, it's, his name's uh, Ben, right? From, from, yeah. uh, from okay. you know, I, I got to be honest. I really share the frustration with, with Gangster Raider because from what I got out of that, that phone call, and first of all, thank you so much for having that guy on. I, I know if, 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 if he's a friend of yours, he, he probably knows his stuff, but like, where I'm frustrated is that basically what I'm hearing is that we're ranked so high or so low, however you want to say it, because pressures for a pressure. Well, what about other teams? Are there not other teams that are facing same problems where yeah. their cornerbacks aren't, you know, are, are, are letting up so many passes? Okay, yeah, maybe they have better wide receivers now who are catching the ball. But, you know, I guess I'm just I'm, – that's where I'm confused. Like, why is it pressure for a pressure that's making us rank so high? And so that's where I share Gangsters Raider uh, frustration because I, I, I'm still confused there. I, I, think, I think our defense uh, – excuse me, I think our team overall – 
should be ranked higher. So um, I appreciate it. Thank you. No doubt. Hey, thank you for the call. I love the passion there. It's good stuff, man, and that's why we're here for. We're here to let you uh, air it out and, 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 you know, say what's on your mind and how you're feeling. And uh, there he is right there, New England Raider. How about this text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R from Robin Oakland. It looks like the Raiders got heavily penalized on Ben's rankings for the two blowout losses to the Chiefs. That explains a lot. And I wanted to make sure I highlighted that text because that does explain a lot. And, you know, when you look at strictly numbers, things go into numbers. What's that? Numbers. Numbers. They, they create averages, right? And so when your numbers get skewed when you have big-time blowouts. And, well, unfortunately for the Raiders, they did have two bad, bad losses against the Kansas City Chiefs, two blowout losses. So, again, when you're just looking at the numbers, not looking at the body of work, the ultimate body of work, you're just looking at what the numbers are telling you. And that's why I always say pro football focus is not the end-all, be-all. It just gives you an idea. And I'll tell you, I've said that forever, and I'll go to my grave saying that, that, yes, they they do provide some good information. They do kind of let you know what what they're thinking and, and, and basically kind of get you in the ballpark. But it doesn't necessarily mean it gets you up the bat. It just means that you're in the ballpark. You might not even have a good seat in the ballpark, but you're in it, right? It's like, it's like what they say, just get me in. I just need a get-me-in ticket. That's it. You're not, getting, you're not sitting in the front row, but you're, you're in. That's kind of what Pro Football Focus does. So Rob brings up a great point that those two blowout losses to the Chiefs obviously gave them numbers that were not very Pro Football Focus friendly. Uh, got a text from Raider Steve in Reno. Thanks for being there, guys. FYI, that bad offensive line played very well down the stretch with points to their improvement. 114 rushing yards and only giving up two and a half sacks a game, going 5-2 and two down the stretch against five teams fighting for postseason. My point, that offensive line improved a bunch and were very good down the stretch. We are creatures of the moment. Go Raiders. Raider Steve and Reno. Go Dubs. Damon. <laughs> you know what? I saw that text. You know what I thought about? You thought about just skipping it? <laughs> no. That the Grizzlies still living in their head rent-free. That's all I got to say. Oh, man. Ain't nobody worried about no Grizzlies, man. I, I didn't give the Grizzlies props before. I didn't give the Grizzlies plenty of props. I feel like he gave to them. I will. I have no problem with that. Hell, I can give the Grizzlies props all day because the trophy lays in the bay right now. But, Q, if you got married, you're not going to be like, yeah, and her ex ain't got her. Yo, why are you talking about us? And this supposed to be the, this supposed to be your crowning achievement. And you thinking about us? Wait, mm. hold on. What, what's what, I don't know what the what was the ex the, thing again? Hold the on. Analogy, Go back to that. Yeah, if someone well, gets married and then they just like, hi, but you wish you had her, right? Why ain't you just happy for yourself, man? But they out here on the podium talking about the Grizzlies, bringing up old tweets. Sound like somebody bothered. I, hey, man. Next year, okay. it's time. Hey, look, man. Enjoy while it lasts. Definitely will. <laughs> Definitely will. They got four of them to enjoy, brother. I don't think anybody's worried about that. Steph's not worried about what Ja's doing or anybody else. But, hey, the Grizzlies are a team that's on the come up. I'll be the first one to tell you that. They have a nice nucleus that they are building. Uh, one more text. Vegas, I'd put money on Hobbs' as outside corner. He's good at press. And that's, that's something, and I heard uh, Vinny talking about it this morning on the morning tailgate. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor and uh, Heidi Fang. As a matter of fact, DeMond held it down this morning. They'll be running it back this uh, tomorrow morning as well. I heard him talking about Hobbs as a potential guy on the outside and said, yeah, he could do it because he's he, he could be good at it. But he's also really good at that slot corner position, and it's very difficult to find a guy that could do that. You might not want to mess with that. What I think is going to happen is something that, well, the coaching staff has told us when we were sitting there in media sessions that – well, they're going to have competition in everything. They're going to allow Nate to go out there and participate in every position and see what they feel like his best fit is. 
if I had to bet money, I'd bet on him being in the slot, but I do agree that he could play on the outside, and he'd probably be really good at it because I think Nate Hobbs is just a damn good football player, and whatever he really puts his mind to, he's going to do. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you, and that's a great way. Oh, no, actually, we got a couple more minutes. I forgot about that. I'm used to, I'm used to signing off going up to 4 o'clock. We actually ain't going to sign off until 4 o'clock. So hold up. Hold up, swallow them up. I think I got a couple more texts I can get to. Uh, how about this one? We were talking about – we were talking about uh, offensive linemen that have been around for a while that uh, the Raiders had. We talked about Khalif Barnes in great detail. Uh, we got a text from Vegas Pete. What about Langston Walker? You don't know nothing about no Langston Walker, Demond, but Langston Walker, that was a that was an old uh, a old cat that was around for a while, man. Langston Walker, I remember I remember him as well. So definitely appreciate that, Vegas Pete. Uh, actually got a tweet from Mikey Mike. He said, "Hey, you guys got me cracking up with Khalil Barnes talk, but how about Gruden's main man, Nevin Lawson?" I'm pretty sure he was in Gruden's top five contact list, but, man, seeing him on the field always made me nervous. Yeah, Nevin Lawson was that gift that kept on giving, right? And, I, I mean, I like, talked to him a couple times, had him on the show a couple times. Uh, he just never seemed to be able to get it, never able to kind of really put it together, right? Uh, I, remember, I remember when the Raiders signed him, somebody from Utah hit me up. and was like, man, Q, that's the guy, man. The Raiders got the dude. Nevin Lawson's going to be a stud, and it just never worked out for him. And like I said, I talked to him a couple times on the show. I uh, thought he was a good dude. Uh, he had some leadership skills, but, man, he, he was a guy that kind of uh, made you nervous when he hit the field. So I definitely understand what you're talking about, Mikey Mike. I do appreciate that. So coming up next, Eddie Pascal is going to hold it down upon further review, 4 to 5 o'clock. Then we'll make way for Aviator Baseball, and then make sure you wake up in the morning. Oh, I forgot to give out those tickets. Dang it. I forgot to give out those do it tickets. Right now. Let's do it right now, man. Look, we got so much going on, I'm forgetting everything. Hey, look, I'm not even going to ask for caller number nine. I'm going to ask for caller number one. <laughs> caller number one, you're going to get hooked up with a pair of tickets to Money in the Bank. It's going down this Saturday. That's why I got to make sure I give them out. I want to make sure you have an opportunity to get those tickets. I almost forgot. Man, Money in the Bank. You want to go to this event? DeMond's going to be in the building. Uh, my guy Titus O'Neill, who we had on the show earlier today, he's going to be in the building, and you could be in the building. We have a pair of tickets for you at 702-365-9200. Remember, you've got to be a Nevada resident. Don't call me from the Bay and then tell me, Hey, man, I'm going to come up there on Saturday. Nah, man, we, you just you got to be in Nevada. That's just what it is. So hit us up, 702-365-9200. My man, DeMond, is standing by. He'll, he'll definitely get you hooked up, put your name in there. Our guy, Craig, and promotions will hit you up and get you your tickets quick, fast, and in a hurry. And then, uh, like I said, upon further reviews coming up next, 4 to 5 p.m., Aviator Baseball after that. And then in the morning, you'll hear Vinny Bonsignor. You'll hear Heidi Fang. You'll hear DeMond Cotton hold it down, 7 to 10. Harry Ruiz, noon to 2, and, of course, I'll be back to hold to close things down on this Friday, uh, 2 to 5 p.m. as we go into the 4th of July weekend. So, Raider Nation, appreciate you as always. Appreciate all our guests. We'll be back tomorrow here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a good night. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it, Q. Um, good to see you.